listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z. You lucky people, you've stumbled upon part two of my interview with Willie Amrod. You know, Willie, I keep my notes with me. I try to downplay them. I leave them on the table. I, I take a glance at them from time to time while I'm doing the interview. But this, I made a complete separate page. I don't even mind people hear that, people. I don't even mind people hearing it because <laughs> I, I like this is just notes about this great album that I love, Children of the Earth. The opening tune, you've got this modulated voice saying something very cryptic. Um, oh, yeah. Something about... Machines uh, were mice and men were lions once upon a time. What does that mean exactly? <laughs> well, actually, the person that wrote that was Moondog. I don't know if you know who Moondog was. But he's a, Sounds a bl- familiar. He's a blind dude. And okay. he would stand out on the streets by the 51st Street and 7th Avenue, somewhere around there, and he would recite this poetry and he would accompany himself with his walking stick and he'd bang it on the ground in these like uh, polyrhythms and, <laughs> and recite poetry you know, against it. So Columbia Records was real near there and they recorded, brought him in and recorded him and he actually had re- written or- orchestral music and the first record came out was an orchestra playing, and just before the one tune started, he said that when machines were mice and men were lions, once upon a time, wow. now it lives the opposite. It's twice upon a time. Basically, it's saying that mankind has let the machines become more important than the pe- than the men. You know. Oh, I see. I get it. But uh, you just like that sentiment. You wanted to use it on the album. Well, actually, I I just said it for no apparent reason because they were testing the microphone, and it oh. turned out that it was a perfect thing to say. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, any one of these questions, I get a great answer. I I, I just let let me uh, ask a few more things. Well, let me make a statement first about the album. What I love about it, too, is there's so many different styles of R&B music represented all on one album. I mean, you, you got this kind of walk-in-the-dog R&B groove going on. You have, like, the very last song on the album. It's got this kind of a slow groove. Let's see, you got this, oh, well, Trust Me has its own kind of, it's almost like a Mustang Sally type groove, you know what I mean? Yeah, but which one is the walking the dog? <laughs> I thought you were referring to Trust Me as the walking the dog. No, one. it's got... It's this, they used to call it walking the dog. I'm not representing oh, it very well. Yeah, that's right. But you got that feel on the album. You got all these different feels. I mean... What I love is uh, Roller Coaster. I want to play that one soon. Yeah, that's Fred Wesley's favorite. That one. is so cool <laughs> because that's, to me, that's like a, that's almost an R&B throwback to those old 60s tunes like um, Palisade Park, for example. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it was You even have that roller, sco- <laughs> that roller Coaster scream in there. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. You know how we made that? How'd you do that? We got the Beatles Hard Day's Night. Girls are chasing after the Beatles. Oh yeah, <laughs> it sounds like that. And then they got in the they got in the train to get away from them. And as the train went away, it was going click 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 click. And all that's on the record. <laughs> that's like uh, the end of it, the song was the click 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 thing because the 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 roller coaster somehow they 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 mixed that the train sound there and they. When they remember the old clubhouse was right on the rail rail track. Yeah, I do. They recorded the the Amtrak going by, and somehow they mixed it so it was stereo would make it seem like it's going around in a circle, the way that Paul and Gary played with it. And uh, 
I never had it live with that uh, roller coaster sound, but I really would love to be able to pump that live so the band had that going on when we're singing it. Yeah. But it's a great tune. I love that tune. The audience loves it. You can see everybody smiling. And that's what I like about original music. If nobody ever heard the song before, most of the people you know we play for are not people that we played for before. I like to play for audiences that are completely unaware of who I am and what I do, you know? And then you can see the the real organic reaction to your music. And that's what gives me faith that I'm doing the right thing and that some of these great musicians still believe in me and, and, you know, and yourself and people that, you know, say my music is good. I don't have to worry about uh, whether or not it is because I believe people that know music you know, have that feeling, and I don't need to worry about that anymore. <laughs> That's what. I- no, you certainly don't, Willie. I mean, there is something very authentic about you as a person, but also as a musician. And when you listen to the music that you write, to me, the real Willie Amrod is coming through that music. I, I'm hearing your soul. I, I love it. I love it. That's what a great musician does. That that their soul comes through in their music, and yours certainly does. You have a song at the end of the album. It's that slow groove I was talking about everybody's we yeah now i thought when i first heard it i thought it was everybody's weak yeah some other people said that to me and that's that's okay everybody is weak you know (laughs) and you even explain it in the song what you're talking about yeah yeah i know and it's still it's still i know (laughs) well you know I took it as everybody's weak, everybody loves somebody, everybody's vulnerable. That's kind of what I took it at, but it's not that. Explain what that song means, if you could. Well, everybody's we is kind of like we are all one kind of vibe, and I was trying to be uh, prophetic in what I had to say, and for the longest time, that was my favorite song on the record because I felt like I had something to say and I got the chance to say it. Basically, uh, you know, we can't just waste our lives doing the the same old thing every day that you know a lot of us have to do to try to you know make money and pay the bills and raise the children and all the the things that are are common to our society and that ends up being most of our existence and most of our time and and I just felt like you know that uh because of that a lot of really important things that face the human race are not being addressed because we're not on the same page. Our fellow human beings, everybody's on their own page trying to pay them their own bills and try to, you know, keep the car running, <laughs> whatever yeah. you got to do. And and you lose sight of the fact that as a common denominator, there is the fact that that we are all one, we are we. It takes only two people to be we, you know, and you gotta forget about me. That's what we is kind of forgetting the me. (laughs) I love that humanitarian vibe about the album. It's almost like you've got a common man perspective. You're preaching to the choir. You're talking about homeless problem. There's a social consciousness about this record. Is, Is that true of all your music or is this, well, record more like that than others this record is mostly that you know the ch- the children of the earth it's 30 years ago we made the record and we're gonna next year we're gonna celebrate 30th 
anniversary and try to, you know, clean up the record and send it back out again. And But I feel like from the beginning of my days as a musician, as a listener, as an artist, that I always felt like that I was the common man. I am the common man and that the the things that affect me are the same things that affect everybody. And I, and you know, just talking, I, you know, I, I drive bus for a living. So I meet 50 people, new paper every day. Almost. I got a bus load of new people and I talk to a lot of people and try to, you know, understand what we were all, all doing and what we're thinking about. You know, I always felt like whatever comes across in my mind is the same thing that's coming across in other people's minds. And, and and I kind of proved it with this record, the, the things that I'm talking about. People, you know, I, I, a lot of times you're preaching, and there's, so there's some preaching going on here. Yeah, but it's not preachy, though. You know? Yeah. you know, you're like the grandmaster pastor. You're telling it to the choir. I mean, it's it, it comes across that way. We talk about the, that vibe and also the, you know, the R&B vibe of the album and the horns and all of that. But there's something else there, too, I detect that I find really interesting. I'm wondering where it comes from. I hear almost like split ends, talking heads kind of vibe, almost like a new wave, late 70s, early 80s, new wave you can hear it in the guitar playing. Is this a production thing that Gary was responsible get, with? I don't know. The The one guitar player that played half the record, his name was Ted Orr. He's the one that in, brought Pee Wee in the studio. We had a uh, a session where Michael Antunes, who was a saxophone player from uh, Beaver Brown Band, was supposed to come, and he couldn't make it because of a snowstorm. And we're in Germantown, and it's snowing, and it's beautiful. And we got no saxophone player. And we're trying to get the sax on the Children of the Earth. So you hear the first note of the saxophone solo on Children of the Earth. That's pretty much the first thing I heard Pee Wee do, you know. I told him what I wanted, you know, and that's where the sax was supposed to start at the solo and then get a little more complicated as we went. And he did perfect. He did exactly what I wanted him to do. Uh, I want to play something else off of Children of the Earth. We were talking about Roller Coaster before. It's one of my favorites. Can we play that one? Sure, I don't know.
Always great drums from Gary, you know. Yeah, Gary played the drums on everything. The on big beat. Right. Yeah, yeah. The one thing that I, I said when I was doing the rap on Everybody's We, I said uh, something about the big beat is like it's the rhythm of the universe. <laughs> it's the big beat. <laughs> I like El Beat Grande also. That's <laughs> that's my favorite. Will you remember Cosmos? Yeah. It was a club you, you ran. I don't know if you owned it or, yeah, or you owned had partners. It. I, ran it. I had tons of partners by the end of it. Down in New Boston, it's now called McGillicuddy's. Yes, I played at McGillicuddy's I, and Cosmos. When you owned Cosmos, I came and played a set, and I, it was a terrible night. I didn't bring anybody. There was nobody there to see me. I felt really embarrassed, I remember. Like, oh, yeah, oh well, this is a disaster of a the night. The place was that way because when... Until they, I got this one partner who stole everything in the middle of the night. We couldn't get a liquor license. The oh. town was giving us all kind of trouble. Oh man! And we never had to, We had to go through four lawyers to get the place open. We finally got the place open. We got no money. We got no alcohol to serve. And people just, you know, it's a college town. People ain't coming unless they have alcohol. Yeah. We had a Yellow Man and Sagittarius band play there. I didn't know Yellow Man played there. Yeah, and, and RBQ played there. Maceo was gonna play there, but I ended up with a partner who ended up changing everything and changed the name to Heart and Soul, which was not an original thought at all. Yeah. And just every time I think it bam 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 ba da 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 <laughs> <laughs> See I like Cosmos better, yeah. <laughs> but you know what's crazy about that? Before I owned it and before I even knew this, right? The place was a diner, and it was called the Cosmos. And it was a guy named Cosmo, or it was Cosmos. Cosmos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I and never knew that. Man, I didn't either, man. We made it. Uh, some girl. I met this girl, and she told me she used to work at the Cosmos back in the day, and it's great that I'm bringing the name back. You know, it wasn't my intentions at all. But it, you know. Willie, we uh, run into each other over the years here and there. We were finally on the same bill together. We were just talking about this at Red Hook's Hard Scrabble Day. But I remember the very first time I ever saw you. We didn't meet that day. And mm -hmm. I don't know if you remember this. I've been curious. I had to just bring this up. This is a total aside. I was probably 17 years old or something like that. And I went to Upstate Films, which is kind of a small art house theater here in Rhinebeck. And you were in the audience. This is, I don't know how long ago, very long time ago. Chuck Berry thing? <laughs> no, it, was, it wasn't Hell, Hell, Rock and Roll. Oh, yeah. It was some other movie, and it was a quiet scene. You were sitting a few rows behind me, and I don't know, it was a couple people at a diner sitting across a table talking to each other or something, and you stood up for some reason, and you pointed at the screen, and you said, you proclaimed, that's what water looked like in 1937. <laughs> yeah. 
And everyone was like, whoa, what's, what's that? And I remember thinking, this guy's a genius. <laughs> Do you remember that? Oh, I wish I did. Okay. I got to I got to tell the truth though. How about we change this answer? We can edit it. Of course I did. <laughs> that was an important moment in my life. Wow. Okay. Uh, how can I make that work? I don't know. I don't know. That was So what was the water like? Well, there I don't know, but there wasn't any water in the scene, you know. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why water would look different in 1937. I don't know. I, but there I was no water. I don't think at that point I was on LSD. It's, you never know. I mean, <laughs> this was. We're going back like uh, 35 years or something like that. So that's a nice theater there. Yeah, I saw Hell Hell Rock and Roll there, but I can't remember it seeing anything else. But we must. I must have. It's a. That was a great film. Hell Hell Rock and Roll. Joyce Bombinato is the bass player. Oh, and that, I didn't know that. Yeah, man. So you have this 25th, no, I'm sorry, 30th anniversary of the album, Children of the Earth. But not only that, the single has been remixed and remastered, redone in general by Gary Burke, right? Yeah. Why do that? Is that just to commemorate all the time gone by and kind of punch up into a, a new style, this song? Well, it actually was Paul Antonell's idea. He was the engineer and invested a lot of time in the record. And some of the tunes he, he wanted to mess with, you know. I just wanted to mess with two tunes because Pee Wee said there was only horns on eight out of ten tunes and he wanted horns on the other two. So we started getting back in the studio. Then one day I came in and and Shabam and, and Paul were messing with the Children of the Earth song. And Gary was a little hesitant about, you know, redoing anything because, you know, of the masterpiece that we created, you don't mess with that, you yeah. know? It's like crossing out the Mona Lisa smile and putting something else there. I don't know. Like the Joker smile. Yeah, or yeah. I don't know why people think that the song you know we can't mess with it but i love the new version and gary loves it and gary worked on it with paul and you know i don't know why they decided to do that one there's another one called anything goes i love that song that's a great one <laughs> that's about the uh aliens uh landed in in russia and the new york times put out a, a piece about it and they retracted it a couple of days later but that it never happened but there's 20 or 25 years after that happened there's people doing documentaries about it and anyhow my belief is that the aliens can help us they know what's wrong with our planet and they can help us figure it out and they came down to get some soil samples and this and that but they couldn't leave the spaceship because of the pollution so they got uh young boy to bring him soil samples and leave him someplace where they could retrieve them at a later date. But the same boy was screaming like crazy when they first showed up and they, they shot him with a ray gun and he totally disappeared. And then as the spaceship took off, the boy reappeared. It was a trip, 1989, and I can't think. Varenth, or I think the name of it is in, in Russia, USSR. Hmm. So the, in the words of the song, it said, we left the Soviet Union with the message of peace. Soon thereafter, they, the USSR 
collapsed. I always tell it when I introduce the song that they couldn't do that in the United States because the United States would be shooting every kind of guns and missiles at them, whatever they could do, and and they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't stop the Cold War. The only ones that could do it was the Soviet Union, and they did it. You know, they give Ronald Reagan all the credit. <laughs> wow. <laughs> What's the line, uh, everybody knows anything goes? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm playing with Pee Wee April 24th at the Falcon. So, like, Pee Wee disappeared from my life for a long time. All these people do, but they all come back for some reason. I'm well, I think I know the reason, and one of them you're about to hear right now. <laughs> Let it roll. You gotta believe I'm a creature from another land Anything goes Anything goes Where's it gonna stop? Nobody knows Anything goes
still believe in peace and love, and that's the ultimate thing, Willie? Well, if you have love, certainly peace can be achieved, you know? Love is actually the positive uh, in mankind, you know? And there's a lot of negatives, uh, only one positive that, but as, as long as the love is strong, you can overcome everything, you know? And, and basically, I wrote that song. I was on tour with the Grateful Dead, and I saw the, the, the sea of tie-dyed people, and uh, that's when I wrote the song. You know, it's like, peace and love are getting back together again. It was basically the hook, and, you know, it's like, maybe they, they are together, maybe they're getting back together. Stand up for peace and love, that's, and where does music fit into that equation? Peace, love, and music? Well, music and love are the same thing in my eyes, you know? There's a lot of kinds of music, but, you know, peace, I don't know. Peace and love was just something everybody said in the 60s when I was growing up, and I I've, you know, I've, have not faltered in, in, in that respect, and I... And I see generations after generations, you know, grabbing on to that message and people say it, they use the, the peace sign, you know, it's like, it's certainly not big enough to, to take on the politicians of the world, but it's, uh, it, it could be. We got to keep fighting the good fight. That's what musicians do. Yeah. And I'm sure that you'll keep doing that. And there's a lot of peace and love in your music and in your style, Willie. And thank you so much for being here today. I really appreciate you coming by and talking about your career and just hanging out. It's been great to get caught up. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Fun is important, too. Peace, love, and fun. Peace, love, and fun. I'm all for that. Hey, and peace and love. I hear they're getting it back together. <laughs> children of the earth, especially those who for the first time in their young lives are faced with the realities of war. Feel peace and love and keep them forever in your hearts. The spirit's gonna move you.
So there it is. That's how it plays out in the end. Peace and love. Willie, I can't wait to go out and see you play again. I notice you you play around. You're there. You keep popping up. You keep coming back. And I'm going to come out and and watch your next gig. Wherever it is, I'm going to try to come down there. I know you play at the Falcon. and That is the next gig. That's the next one? (laughs) April 24th. I'll try to come out and see that. Otherwise, I'll... That would be great to see you there, man. It would be wonderful. Thanks again, Willie. Great to have you How about Rusty? Maybe we'll get him there, too. We'll get Rusty to come down. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Willie. Thank you. You're listening to The Rick Z Show. I'm your host, Rick Z, produced and engineered every week by Rusty Johnson. And hey, thanks to Paul Antonell and Clubhouse Studios for hosting us this evening. Don't forget to click subscribe. Come back next week, and who knows who we're going to have sitting in this chair next to me. Some other talented Hudson Valley musician, no doubt, and we will see you then.